Let's pray together. Father God, we do thank you for technology that works. And we thank you for the privilege of being in a place like this, on a weekend like this, to be able to celebrate the fact that you paid it all. We're so grateful, God, for those that founded this country, for those that pledged their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor, who risked their lives to birth the freedom and the life that we celebrate in this country. Father, we're so grateful for the 1.1 million lives that have been given through armed services across the centuries that we might be able to live for their sacrifice, their bravery, their courage. We're grateful, God, for those that are serving around the world to protect our freedom today. And God, we're grateful for the freedom of worship, which we celebrate and which we use as this day we set aside this time to come and to celebrate you, to thank you, to praise you, to honor you, to study your word and to be a life and a people you can bless. So speak to us now through your word, I pray. Guide us through this time and use these moments to your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. These are such unpredictable times, aren't they? If you remember last year, July 4th weekend here in chapel, if you happen to be here, uh, I'm glad the fire marshal wasn't here. Let's just say that. I mean, they, they made a little place for me to stand like right over here with people sitting on the ground. I mean, it could not have sardines. I mean, couldn't have been more packed in and all of that. So we thought, okay, social distancing, obviously we have to be careful. If, if even half that happened this time, we better do two services because we don't want to be turning people away and we'd want all of that. And it turned out not to be as necessary as one would have perhaps thought. But I'm just so glad you're here, and I'm glad to be able to do this with you. My wife is back in Dallas. She wanted me to tell you that. She's writing Bible studies. She leaches, teaches a ladies' Bible study every year. There has about 100 on Wednesday and 500 on Thursday, and she writes the curriculum for it, and she's in the middle of all of that. So she's out there, and she sent me out here. And really glad to get to be here and do this with you. So July 4th weekend, unlike any July 4th in living memory, you would literally have to be able to remember 1918 with the pandemic in order for that not to be true. You'd have to be 102 years old and remember it in order for that to be true. Baseball not played. First time in 144 years on July 4th. So I did some research. Uh, there's National League. Whoops, let me see if I can make this work again. All right, Sheila. I'm clicking. I'm clicking. It worked 10 minutes ago, didn't it, Mike? Ah, Nope, that's not the first slide. That's not even close. Keep going, keep going, keep going. There we go. All right, we're going to see if this will work. So on the left is the National League, founded in 1876. On the right is the American League, founded in 1901. 144 years since the National League. In 1981, there we go, there was a baseball strike from June 11th to August the 10th. That's the only time in 144 years there was no baseball on July 4th until yesterday, all right? Now, all was not lost. I didn't put this up here, but Joey Chestnut won the hot dog eating contest again. 13 out of 14 years, good for Joey. 75 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. That's a goal to aspire to, right? Or not. I didn't put it up, didn't want to spoil your lunch, all of that. Strange days. Baseball is starting again, we hope, we think. The uh, training camp started on Friday. They believe they can start games maybe July 23rd. If they do, they're going to be in stadiums. All right. Okay, this isn't working. I'll just say next. 
All right, can you go to next? See if next will work. No? Nope. Keep going back, long ways back. All right, Mike, we're having the same challenge. So, uh, yeah, it works until everyone shows up, right? So, see if you can go to the empty stadium. Keep going back. Yeah. Well, hmm. There you go. Now let's try that. And we're, we'll just blow off the PowerPoint if this doesn't. Yeah, there you go. So baseball is going to be played, but no fans is the story because of COVID and all of that. Enter this fellow. If you can go to the next slide. This is Chip Messenger. He's the guy on the left. He's got a friend of his, took a selfie there. He rents a loft, a condo on the 17th floor of this luxury high-rise that stands over left field at Petco Park in San Diego. That's the field you see behind him there. So when baseball starts again, if it does, he's going to have a seat. The rest of us are going to watch on television. He's going to be able to watch in person. Wall Street Journal talked about him this week. They said he's about to be the most popular baseball fan in Southern California with all the folk that are going to want to be on his porch to watch baseball. He says he thinks he's about to make some new friends, right? Well, in the midst of all of that, the pandemic, the recession, the unrest, all of that, I am still so grateful to be an American. Every time I travel, I come back and I'm so grateful to be in this country. And I pray that this would be a nation God can bless. So the next slide is the text that's really the foundation for all of that. See if that'll work, Sheila. And if it won't, we just won't worry about PowerPoint. I'll just, I'll just use the text that is here, right? Was a day when I had, if back in church as it used to be, let's see. Why don't we just not do this? All right, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a little distracting. So we're in Luke chapter 15. There was a day when you had to bring a Bible to church. Now you just have to bring a phone. And then the pastor assumes you're reading the Bible when you're probably checking email, you know? You know how that works, right? Nonetheless, Luke 15 has three stories. This summer, we're looking at parables. We're looking at some of Jesus' stories that we don't usually pay attention to, and we're going to see how they apply to the needs of our lives. The series is Hope in Hard Times. And that's the text that we're claiming right there. Psalm 33, 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. How can we be that nation? How can we do that? How can you live a life God can bless? How can you live a life in such a way that God can bless you? Where do you need the blessing of God? Where do you need his help, his, his forgiveness, his strength, his wisdom, his direction? Where do you need to be a person God can bless? That's the question. So the third story in Luke 15 is a very familiar text. You know about this. Can you, well, it's back again. Can you go forward again? There we go. You know this story, parable of the prodigal son, right? The youngest son comes to the father, wants the part of the inheritance that belongs to him, even though the father hasn't died yet. Not a very gracious thing to do. Takes some money, goes off in the distant country, spends it all on riotous living, as the text says, comes to himself and comes back home. You know that story. But before that story, there are two other stories that no one pays attention to that I wanted to think about with you. I've never preached on them. I've never taught on them all the years. I looked through all my notes. I've been preaching for 40 years, 44 years. Couldn't find that I've ever looked at them. That's how neglected they've been for me anyway. But they're stories that I think are important to us today. So if the next slide works, keep going. There you go. This is in Luke chapter 15, verse 4, where Jesus says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the open country, goes after the one that is lost until he finds it? All right, this is Jesus doing what teachers in the day didn't do. Shepherds lived on the lowest rung of the social ladder of their day. 
Shepherds couldn't keep the kosher dietary laws. They weren't allowed in the synagogue. They weren't allowed in the temple. They were known to steal from their employers. They were known to be liars. They couldn't testify in court. You couldn't buy anything from a shepherd. For shepherds to be a hero of Jesus' story is pretty remarkable. It's like making a story around a drug dealer or something like that. They just were that in disrepute. So here's this shepherd. He's got 100 sheep in his flock. That's about a medium-sized flock back in the day. Uh, One of them wanders off, gets lost. Happens quite often. Sheep are not smart animals. The fact that the Bible compares us to sheep more than any other animal is not a compliment. All right? And they cannot defend themselves. Have you seen anybody with a sign on their back fence that says, Beware, attack sheep. You know? Do sheep perform in circuses? I mean, they're, they're stupid, defenseless animals. And one wanders off, and now if the shepherd doesn't go get it, it's never going to find its way home. They're not like dogs that find their way home, right? He's going to have to go get it, Jesus in his story. So he leaves the 99 in the care of another shepherd, and he goes off to find the one that is lost until he finds it. Then the next text says, if that'll, if that'll advance, well, yeah, okay. Rather than, rather than do that, I'll just work with this. And so he tells the parable in uh, Luke 15. So the shepherd goes off to leave. He leaves the 99 to go to find the one. And Jesus says when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. That's how you carry sheep around. I've seen them do that even in Israel today. You put the weight of the sheep across your shoulders and the feet are down in front. And he carries it back and he calls his neighbors and his friends saying to them, Rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Okay, that's the first story. Second story, Jesus says, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. So here's Jesus being countercultural again. I'm sorry to say this. I don't mean this unkindly, but women in Jesus' day had no independent status. They belonged to their fathers until they were married, then they belonged to their husbands. They just had very little means. They had very little means of making a living, very little means of independent possessions. And so this woman has these 10 coins, Jesus, silver coins. These are called drachma. They're each worth about one day's labor. So these 10 coins are really not much money at all, but it's all she has. And she loses one of them. In Jesus' day, houses had these kind of flagstone floors with crevices between them, and it was very easy to lose stuff in there. In fact, archaeologists today, when they go back and they dig around in Israel, that's always the first thing they concentrate on is the floors of their houses because they almost always find coins and other stuff down there. And if you can find the coins, you can date the find. You can tell how old that is, obviously, by the dating or the nature. They didn't have years on their coins, but by the nature of the coins, that sort of thing. So she loses one of her ten coins. Not a lot of money to us. To her, it's a tenth of her wealth. It's a tenth of her income, a tenth of her possessions. This might be a dowry she's saving up to get married. It might be something she needs to live off of, and she loses one of them. So Jesus says that she lights a lamp, and she sweeps the house and seeks diligently until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. And Jesus says, just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he tells the story of the prodigal son. So you've got three stories here. You've got a lost sheep, you've got a lost coin, you've got a lost son. What do the first two have in common that's different from the third? In the first, the shepherd loses the sheep so he goes to find it. In the second, the woman loses the coin, so she goes to find it. In the third, the father loses a son, 
and waits for him to come home. If he had done what the shepherd did, if he had done what the woman did, if he'd gone to the far country and found his son and dragged him against his will back home, what do you think the son would have done the next day? Instead, he has to wait and pray, I'm sure, and hope and look and long and yearn for that day when, as Jesus says, the son comes to himself and chooses to come home. Unlike sheep and coins, God made us with freedom, the very thing we're celebrating this weekend. G.K. Chesterton, the British author, said, America's the only nation in history founded on a creed. Founded on a creed. And you know that creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In other words, freedom. The problem comes when we choose to use our freedom to go to the far country. The blessing comes when we choose to use our freedom to come home. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. By that standard, can God bless America these days? To what degree are Americans making God their Lord? Everybody has a God. When the psalmist says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, he assumes everybody has a God. Paul Tillich said, everybody has an ultimate concern. Your God might be your job, might be your friends, might be your appearance, your possessions, your plans. Your God might be the Muslim God or Hindu religion or Buddhism or Judaism, but everybody's got, everybody has something that comes first. Everybody has something they're trusting to be blessed Make that God your Lord. So how do you do that? Talk about that and we'll be done. It starts every day. Well, it really starts ultimately by knowing him personally. I grew up in a wonderful home, but no spiritual life. I've told my story. Some of y'all have heard this. My father was a Sunday school teacher. He fought in the Second World War and he never went to church again. Saw such horrible atrocities. He was one of 300 men on an island in the South Pacific. Only 17 survived. And he never went to church again. And so I grew up, like I said, this wonderful family, but no spiritual life at all. I, I kind of knew there was a God, somehow knew there was a God, but never went to church, didn't read the Bible, never prayed, none of that. And had no idea that you could know this God personally. I was 15 years old, got invited by some friends to their church, first heard the gospel, first started reading the Bible, and discovered what so many people don't know. You can know God for yourself. You can know him yourself. If you will ask him to forgive your mistakes and be the Lord of your life, he will become your father. You will become his child. He will give you eternal life. And you can know him, not just about him. You can know him. You may not be able to know the Queen of England, but you can know the God of the universe. It starts right there. And then it starts again. You only do that once. Once you do that, you become the child of God. You'll always be the child of God. My kids will always be my kids. They may not like it. I may not like it. But they'll always be my kids, right? Once he's your father, you're always his child. But then on a second level, you decide every single day whether to make him Lord of that day. I can't give God what doesn't exist. 
I can't give God Martians because there are no Martians as far as we know, right? So I can't give God tomorrow because tomorrow doesn't exist. All I can do is give God today. So have you made him your Lord today? Have you surrendered this day to him as your Lord? Have you gotten alone with him, even for just a few minutes? Read his word, pray, say, Lord, you're my Lord today. I surrender to you today. I give this day to you today. It's every single day. And we start the day that way because you can't give God the part that's already done, right? I can't give God what's done. I've told the story, Ronald Reagan asking the Air Force One pilots why they always landed so close to the front of the runway. And they said, the first thing they teach you in flight school is you can't use the part of the runway that's behind you. You know? I can't give God yesterday. I can only give God today. So start the day. Mark 135, Jesus went to a solitary place early before daybreak and prayed. Start every day by surrendering to him as Lord. Walk through the day making him Lord. When you have a decision, ask him to lead you. When you have a problem, ask him to help you. When you sin, ask him to forgive you. Walk through the day, surrender to him as Lord. And you're putting yourself in a position to be blessed, to be empowered, to be led, to be used. Blessed is the person whose God is the Lord. You see, there's a throne in your heart, and there's room for one person on that throne. There's only room for one person in these chairs, right? In these lovely chairs we have here. Very very comfortable chairs. I've got a pretty bad back problem, and so they actually bought me a chair to sit in over there, because when my back's out, I can't, I have to use my arms to push up, so I can sit here for a while. You guys, you're in tough luck. I mean, you know, you got these folding chairs. Not too great. They're fine for now, but only one person can fit there. Two people can't sit in that chair, right? At least not very comfortably. You've got a throne in your heart, room for one person. The default position is you're on the throne every single day. You have to get off the throne Invite Jesus onto the throne and make him your Lord. If you haven't done that, you're on the throne. If you have, he is. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So, is America a nation God can bless? Are we a people God can bless? How can we be a people God can bless? It's really that simple. I'll close with this. I was in high school when our youth minister told a story I've not forgotten. As the story goes, there was a small village, and in it, an elderly man who was known to be the wisest man in all that part of the world. He had answers for questions. He had advice for problems. He was known, renowned for his wisdom. So one day, a group of young guys got together and decided that they would play a trick on this old man. They caught a bird. They brought it to the old man one of them holding it in his hands behind his back, knocked on the door. Old man came to the door. The man with the bird behind his back said, Old man, I have a bird in my hands. Is it alive or dead? If the wise old man said that it was alive, the little boy planned to crush it to death. If he said it was dead, he was going to let it go, fly away. Either way, the man would be wrong. The wise man looked at each of those boys, and then he looked into the eyes of the young man with the bird in his hands, and he said, young man, it is as you will. Let's pray. Would you take a moment to pray for this nation we love, whose birth we have celebrated this weekend? Would you pray for a spiritual awakening to sweep our nation, whereby it could be said of America, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord.
Would you take a moment and pray for that to be true? And now would you pray for your own heart? Would you consciously ask Jesus to be the king on the throne right now? If you haven't done this already, climb down from the throne. Invite him onto it. Surrender your day and your life to him as your king. Resolve that you'll walk through the day making God your Lord. And that that will be the lifestyle by which you will serve him. And then last, if you've not met him personally, let me urge you today to take some time. Get alone with God. Ask him to forgive your mistakes. Invite him to be the Lord of your life. It's just that simple. Then tell a Christian what you've done so they can help you to grow in your faith. Father God, I thank you for the promise. Blessed is the nation. Blessed is the people. Blessed is the person whose God is the Lord. May we use the freedom you've given us to experience the blessing you want to give us. I pray for me and us in Jesus' name. Amen.